Hi everyone, I'm Kim. And I'm Jasmine, and we're the hosts of the Gravediggers podcast, Letting the Dirt Fly. Hey guys, we just wanted to add a trigger warning to today's episode as we are discussing mental health topics such as suicide. I also want you all to remember that there are resources out there that provide help even when all feels lost. To speak with someone at any time, you can reach the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And we're back. Hey, everybody. I hope your week was really awesome. Um, mine was actually pretty good this yeah, week. Through yeah. all the hecticness. Uh, okay. <laughs> so it is last week of school, and which makes it kind of a mayhem because we're cleaning and de-junking and kids don't want to concentrate and they don't have to concentrate. <laughs> and so it was just a bunch of parties and doing all that. But um, it was a little bit of an emotional thing today because it was the last day. And so lots of my fifth graders just kept on coming in and giving me hugs. And they're like, we're going to miss you. You better get a job at our middle school. And I'm just like getting teary eyed and everything. And then also, um, I just, all the support I'm getting from the staff of like, Oh, like if you need a reference, you know where to find me and everything. So that's so good. You've made such an impact. You've only been at that school for one year and you've made like a huge impact on so many people's lives. Like my- people that you probably don't even know that you made an impact on. Oh, okay. You're so sweet. I'm like, you're just so great. <laughs> I've only known you for a year, and like, look at where we're at. I know. Just we're sitting put a in little a Kim in there, yeah. <laughs> See where you're getting another here. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. There, yeah there's some blanket. <laughs> um, and then what was it? We did this huge kickoff event, and we got gl- matching glitter. Um, tattoos for everybody that's just listening Um, they don't recommend doing it on your face Mm -hmm. because you have to like do this awkward position to have them put the glue on there and then put the glitter and then it was so hot and humid today that like it just all the glitter stuck like like and so we had like this square of of where like the thing was and so it was like this clear square with the star in the middle and then glitter everywhere else. Yeah. And probably have ate yeah. a little bit and of glitter. And they said, too. you know, it might last for three or four days. So um, by the time I go back to work, I'll just, you know, be lighting up everybody's day. Yeah. That's all I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, you're like, okay, <laughs> we've been a little shiny today. Oh, yeah. It was funny. We got up to the booth and the lady's like, you're the first ones to have it put on your face. Okay. And I was like, yeah, we would be yeah. those people. Yeah, that yeah, would be Not us. a five-year-old kid. <laughs> a bunch of grown-ass adults. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so how was your week? My week was good. Um, We went camping in the rain. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because Memorial, Memorial Day was, like, Day. super rainy. Oh, I know. Like, I was so excited to go camping. And so, like, a week before, I looked at the forecast. So I texted the girl, and I was like, Are you, you guys still want to go camping? She's like, yeah. They said, like, the people we were going for to celebrate his birthday, they, were, they still wanted to go. So we nice. went camping in the rain and did some... Uh, uh, we did some, uh, what is it called? Hot springs. We did the hot springs, oh. Oh, which was so nice at lava. And then we took the kids to like the pool. So they got to do some like indoor swimming. That sounds so yeah. relaxing. It was really, I love the pool. Like if I could own my own pool, that would be my preferred way of relaxing every single day would be to swim. I wonder if we could figure that out. Be like, find a hidden hot springs and be like, we are staking our claim. And uh-huh. This is where we're going to be. I would totally be down for okay. that because mm-hmm. I hate all the people at hot springs. 
Uh, but regardless, I mean, I got a drink and be in the hot tub and the kids had a sleepover with their grandpa and uncle. Oh, nice. And, you know, we just, it was a good, like, it was like a good weekend with our family. We got to see my mother-in-law, father-in-law, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, like everyone that Whoa. I love. Yeah. Yeah. All my favorites. I have Shout out to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, But... There has been something else that's been on my mind lately, and, you know, mental health for me has been a a lifelong struggle, Um, I think at least since the age I was 15. And so I feel like I would categorize myself as an empath. You know, I see all these things that categorize people who, like, get the chills when, you know, something happens or when, you know, they get lumps in their throat or they start crying. Um, And the um, Uvalde... Texas shooting. Um, yeah. That's been really heavy on my heart lately because I have kids. I mean, no matter what, those kids didn't deserve what came to them. Um, but when you have kids, it's a whole other experience that it puts you through mentally and emotionally. Um, you know, I read a story that talked about one of the 11 year old girls that was in that classroom that had to go into her dead teacher's pocket to get the phone out to call 911. And then she proceeded to put blood from her classmates on her to pretend like she was dead in case that guy came back in. So it's like an 11-year-old. It's our kids. That's the age that our kids are at. And it's just absolutely heartbreaking because no one should have to go through that, like, let alone, like, literal children. Um, So that's been, like, heartbreaking and, you know, also frustrating because of the fact that, you know, my kid's school, anyone kid's school – most of these schools, someone could just walk into. There's not security. There's not a passcode. There's not a buzzer that you have to get into. Um, and so it just breaks my heart saying that, you know, even after Sandy Hook so long ago, yeah. action hasn't been put into place to protect our kids. You know, they're they're in drills. They do, you know, active shooter drills in school. So why not actually, you know, take that extra step forward and protect our kids in the place that they should be safe? Um, Which has been kind of scary, especially like me working in an elementary school. Yeah. And um, it's not if this will happen, it's when it will happen. Yeah. And that that is the change that scares me the most. Yeah. And, you know, my kids don't know about it um, unless they've been told by someone else because, you know, how do you how do you tell your kids something like that happens and then send them to school and one, you know, think that they're going to be okay. So um, it's definitely been heavy on my heart that those kids that were, you know, the victims had to experience that, that those, those teachers, you know, were even put in a position where they had to risk their lives for these kids. Um, And then the trauma that's going to follow that whole entire community after this. It's yeah. not just, you know, for us, life keeps going. Um, but for the victims and the families and the survivors, you know, they don't just get to wake up the next day and keep going to work and doing, you know. Or driving down the road that goes to their kid's school. Exactly. So um, that's been heavy on my heart this week, just seeing all the shootings that's been happening in America. Um, because, you know, I, we our kids deserve better. Yeah. They deserve better. So. And I feel like um, when we were talking about, like, what we wanted to talk about this week on the podcast, something that kind of hit home for us is um, depression and um, different moments in our life where it has been really hard to cope with sadness. 
And, um, wow, I'm already going to start crying. I know this is going to be a rough episode, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this was after my third kid. Um, I was getting major depression mm-hmm. and I actually had depression, like, basically ever since I was married or so I thought. And so once I got married, I had this depression and it would come in waves. Some days would be better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got really bad after my third one. And there I was to the point that I was driving down the road whenever I had these bad bouts and I would look for a place that my car could, that I could pull it off and, um, hopefully kill myself. And as I was driving down, I was like, no, no, this one isn't steep enough because if I just get injured, then it makes it worse. And all of my finances will be worse. My husband will be worse off. And like, this is not what I want. I want a good clean slate so that they can live a happy life without me. Yeah. And I would drive down the road. And it was many, many nights of that. And, um, I don't know. Um, the one thing that kind of changed around my life from that situation Mm -hmm. is I had a conversation with Travis and we were laying in bed and this was after I had done like one of my really long drives and I had gone farther than I had gone before because I was like, I, I need to find this cliff. I need to find this place that I can pull the car off on. Yeah. And, um, I was laying there and I was trying to keep my sobs down so that he couldn't hear and he could just fall asleep. And he's like, why are you so unhappy? And then um, when we were talking, it led to this conversation where I finally, like my brain triggered what was making me so unhappy. Mm-hmm. And the thing that was making me so unhappy is, um, so my system is backwards. I'm not sure if I've told it too many people about this, but so birth control actually makes me more susceptible to having kids. Right. Yes. I'm one of those random ones. <laughs> those that, rare occurrences. Yes. Yeah. So that 99.8% chance I am. Oh, I, <laughs> We've got a visitor. We do have a visitor. Sorry. We're recording right now. Go ask daddy. I think that did it. Okay. We'll see. Um, but so I finally like recognized I never chose to have kids. Mm-hmm. Me and Travis were married for just a couple months. And then um, then I was like, I feel like we need to have kids. And he's like, no, we're waiting until after you get your education. I was like, yeah, I feel super strong. And he's like, well, take a birth control test just to be safe. And I was already 10 weeks pregnant. And so, wow. like, to have that and then... You're just thrown in. Yeah. It. And then we had our next one two years after that. And our third one, we had two different kinds of birth control to try and stop. But then we had her. And at that moment, when I'm laying in bed talking with Travis, I was like, I don't feel like I got to choose to be a mom. I feel like I'm, like, I was forced to do it. Yeah. And And so he sat there. And he went, I'm giving you the choice right now. And I will not be upset at you, but you are allowed to leave. 
And he's like, you need to make that choice, though. Because we can't have you in this limbo anymore. Yeah. And then finally, like, my brain clicked. And it was like, oh, I have a choice. I can leave right now. And then I was like, I don't want to leave. But my brain needed that choice. It needed that, like, decision of, like, oh, you actually can leave if you want to. Yeah. But since I didn't want to, it just all made sense. And since then, like, I have sad days, but I don't have depression anymore. That's nice. I know. And so <laughs> – And you're I'm like, all over oh. here like, fuck. <laughs> how, how do we get rid of it again? <laughs> I, yeah. And so, like, with me, it was a little bit of a different – scenario postpartum type of like Mm -hmm. like I was yeah yeah I get it yeah and so then like I I've been blessed but since I know what it feels like and how to be at the bottom of my pit like when we talk about us as grave diggers like that was my lowest moment and that's the moment that I I cover in dirt I don't want people to see that exactly well because I mean I've had those same feelings, and when you have a thought of, like, I don't want to be a mom, or I wish I hadn't done this, you have some guilt with it, because you have these wonderful, amazing little human beings that depend on you and love you no matter what, and so you feel like one of the worst people in the world, just for thinking, like, about leaving them, whether it's physically leaving them or leaving them on this world without you, um... And I've had those thoughts and I didn't have the luxury of like someone saying you have the choice to leave. It got to the point where I was like, do I even want to like, should I just leave? Would I be happier without my family? Um, And of course, I came to the realization that I wouldn't be. But it's hard when you have like, I've dealt with this stuff since about 15. And so I had my first at 20. Um. And so, honestly, the kids saved me because, you know, I had similar thoughts as you. I would just be driving Mm -hmm. down the road or the highway and I would see a semi. Um, But then, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I can't hurt someone else in the process. It's not about them. It's about me. Like Um, you're still being considerate. Like I'm still being considerate even though I, you know, sitting here contemplating suicide. Um, But you – (laughs) so – When you mentioned the whole rolling your car thing, um, I've obviously thought about that. But one thing that has stopped those specific thoughts was uh, my my husband and I had a friend and he had come to our house for a party in Idaho where we were living. um, And, you know, he wasn't sure he was going to make it, but then he ended up being able to. So we had a party with a bunch of our friends. We had just, you know, had a new townhouse together, had a party with all of them. Everyone was like hung over the next morning, but we had a plan to go to Ikea in Utah with uh, my father-in-law. So there were just a bunch of like of our close friends just passed out in our house and it was like eight o'clock in the morning. So we just left and we're like, you guys are fine. We'll be back. Lock the door when you leave. And, um, So we just left, but then um, on the way home from Utah, we had gotten a call and our friend that had come to the party had left that morning to head towards a different part of the state and his car had rolled over and he didn't make it. Um, 
and to be one of like the last people that have seen like seeing your best friend and just like hours before it was like the most heartbreaking thing in the world but it also made me feel terrible because I've thought about doing that same thing to me where I had a choice and he didn't um and so that gave me like a lot of perspective because he was like one of the most like amazing like you know when like you just meet like a soul that shines so brightly and they have so much potential in life. And it's like, why did it have to be that person? Um, so that was like one of the worst moments. Um, but like at the same time, it gave me, he gave me perspective and he um, like not even just from his death, but in life and like how to just live for yourself, like fully without expectation and just be who you are. Um, and so I think he's one of the people that helped me through it, even though he doesn't even know. Because he just gave me a whole entire different perspective on life. But when you have like these things that come at you, when you lose people, when you have kids unexpectedly and you're forced into situations or maybe it's your marriage or maybe it's just because your brain and the chemicals aren't functioning the way they're supposed to. Like it doesn't matter the reason for your depression. It's hard and it sucks. And it's something I would never wish on my worst enemies because it's one of the worst feelings. And like, even now, one of the things when I get overwhelmed, it's not that I would do it, but it's a coping mechanism where I'm like, well, I could always just, you know, not be here anymore. Like, I wish I don't have to wake up tomorrow, but it's always in the back of my head lingering. Although, you know, I have medication that helps a ton. Um, I, you know, I'm outdoors more. The gym is really helpful. So I find ways to connect with my kids and my family and my life because I think it is worth living, even though in certain moments it feels like it's not. Um, but that's one of the biggest things to overcome is that voice in the back of your head that tells you that you're not worth it and that, you know, it would just be easier to not wake up the next day. Yeah. And I think the hard thing is that, um, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. Mm-mm. Like, even if you get past it, you still remember those thoughts in your head. And you still remember, like, how, how dark you can yeah. get. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, am I am I getting close to the edge? Right. I was close to the edge before, but, like, am I getting close to it again? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to be there again. Yeah. It's one of, like, the darkest places, it feels like. Because you feel, no matter how many people that you have to love and support you, you feel so alone. Because if you tell anyone these thoughts, they're going to judge you or whatever. But I'm telling you this from personal experience. If you have someone in your life that tells you that they feel like dying or they feel like committing suicide or whatever it may be, that is a call for help. Because in the times that I haven't said anything, those were the times where at my darkest. And when I have said something, it's when I, I want that support. I want someone else to know how terrible I'm feeling because I don't want to feel that way anymore. Um, and so tell tell that person um, if, you know, like no matter if you want to survive or not, my recommendation always is to tell someone, tell that person that you can trust. Um, because God, it's a dark place for you to be in and your family yeah. and your friends can, it, it doesn't only cause suffering for you. They also suffer seeing you in that state. They feel helpless. They feel hopeless and losing you. And, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine like having a relative do something like that. And then, the aftermath of what could I have done, you know, to help. Yeah. And I think that one of the things, yeah, we should have. (laughs) Um, One of the things that 
is important is also if people have these experiences to not bury them. Yeah. Because when I think of, um, there was a moment I was a 911 dispatcher for a while. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was someone that had called in saying that their ex-husband was suicidal and gave us their phone number. And so I was the person calling in. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard because I had to be like, do you have suicidal thoughts? And he's like, yeah, I've thought of it. I was like, okay. And he's like, but nothing you say is going to change me. And I was like, okay, but le- let me just sit with you then. As in, I've been there. And then telling my story oh to this complete stranger on the phone and telling him like how hard it is but that like lots of us are going through this crap and that like we want to be there and I'm like I'm just watching as I see like where the officers are and as they're getting closer to the point and I'm just like (sighs) I'm watching him but at the same time I'm just like please Like, let me sit with you in this dark area for a little bit so you know you're not alone because I feel like that's the hardest part is knowing that you're not alone, that there's other people that are doing this too. Yeah. (laughs) But I need to know how it ended. Yes. Um, Sorry. No, you're okay. You're (laughs) just sitting on this big cliffhanger. Um, Yeah, so the officers were able to get to him. We kind of talked about how job sucked because this was during pandemic and so he's like I lost my job which then I couldn't pay for my house and like I don't have my ex-wife anymore I don't get to see my kids as often and I was just like all these things piling up and I was like I get it you have every reason in the world to be in a sour place right now yeah um and when the officers got there I was like are you okay if the officers come in and they come talk to you for a while? And he's like, yeah, I think I'm okay with that now. And I was like, okay. You caught someone through like one of the worst moments that a person can be in. But him answering the phone was also the most important because if he hadn't answered the phone, he couldn't have received anything. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Ugh. That's rough. Oh, sorry. And that's, like, so I'm going into law, and that's one of the biggest things is I've seen how fathers get the short end of the stick. And I understand why men have such a high suicide rate because, one, from the beginning, they're told to suppress their feelings. They've been told, you know, that you have to be a certain way to be a man, and then you do those things, and then you grow up to be, you know, someone who doesn't know how to express their feelings. And then you grow up with, you know, this whole concept of only moms can be good parents, right? And so dads, you know, whether it be divorce or kids out of wedlock, dads get the short end of the stick. You know, they barely get time with these kids that they've raised or that they've birthed. And it's absolutely heartbreaking to see how many dads I've talked to that are like, oh, I've got an upcoming court date. I have to fight for my kids, you know? And you see them, they work hard um, and they they work hard for themselves. They work hard for their families and just to have their entire lives ripped away from them in a moment's notice like that. Yeah. 
it's heartbreaking. And I cannot believe and begin to understand how the pandemic has affected every single person. Because again, like Kim said, that person had lost their job. So many people lost their jobs. So many people lost their homes, lost their kids, lost family members. Um, so the past two years, you know, has been heartbreaking for the entire world. Um, and I think that's one really important thing to mention is in our area, therapists are booked out right now. It is hard to find a therapist. And mm. from my perspective, it's a problem because I can't find the therapist that I want. But it's also something positive because you're seeing that people are seeking help because that's the most important part is recognizing that you need the help and wanting to keep going and finding that person that can help you get through this. Because therapy is it, it's something that I don't think people understand how truly positive it can be, even if you're not in a situation of darkness. Um, but just to have someone just they sit there and they just listen. Yeah. Listening is 90% of the work, to be honest, is just having someone there to be listening, to listen to. Um, and therapy has helped me in so many different ways. Um, I had a therapist that was, she, it was in a, we are in an LDS state. Uh -huh. And she was like, you can say all the swear words you need to, like shit, fuck, damn it. Like she put all of them out there and she said them for me. But she didn't care and there was no judgment. And to have a place where I felt safe and comfortable to tell her my deepest, darkest thoughts that I thought I wouldn't share with anyone because of how scary they were to me, mm -hmm. to be able to tell another person that and for them to say I understand the power in that is it's or indescribable. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, so ugh, I'm still... I'm yeah. still battling. Um, but one thing I do want to mention before we wrap up is is kids. So my family has a history of mental health. And my daughter's father also has a history of mental health. And so I look for the signs of when she's acting out. Um, and I mentioned to her, I was like, would you like to go sit down with someone? It's called therapy. It's just a place where you can tell someone absolutely anything that you want to. And they won't tell me. They won't tell anyone else. It's just a safe place where you go to talk about whatever you want. And she looks at me and she's like, yeah, I want to do that. Um, but it's cool. I feel like if we recognize the signs in our kids at a young age, we can only help them. Because if I had the help that I needed from a young age, knowing that this is something that I would live with my entire life, I might have the skills to cope with depression better, mm. or I might have that comfort level to discuss with my partner. Um, but I think it's really important that it starts at a young age because I know maybe, you know, in certain religions or cultures that uh, mental health is still a taboo uh, topic. Yeah. People don't want to talk about it. No, people don't want to say, oh yeah, I go to therapy. They're like, oh, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like even when someone mentions it, they're hesitant to tell me. And I'm like, oh, I love that you go to therapy. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of us growing up weren't given those tools um, to recognize it and um, to deal with it. And so if we can start from the beginning and recognize that both men and women's feelings are valid, no matter what, um, that we're our own people, that mm -hmm. we can choose to live the lives that we want without fear or judgment of others. And you know what? If we are, screw them. Because each and every one of us has just an amazing soul 
that's just yet to be discovered. But some people's don't get to be discovered because of how how scared they are to share themselves with other people. And so I think it's very important that we teach our kids about mental health and communication at an early age so that they don't end up in the same, the same situations that we have. I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's, let's leave on a lighter note. Okay. Um, so we have our call a friend corner where people can email us and, um, they can do questions, stories, um, any topics that they might want us to cover. Um, you are welcome to do that is in the description box is our email that you can send it to, or you can even just comment on this post and we can send it in. But, um, I didn't see one for this week, but I had a family member that asked me this question and I think this would be a good one to start on of what is one weird thing that you keep in your fridge that you always have. And here, I'll start while you're you're thinking. Of course you have one right off the bat. Mine is whipping cream. I always have whipping cream. I don't feel like that's like something that everybody has in their fridge, but we always have at least like two containers of it Mm -hmm. because I make my own homemade whipped cream. And and then we're also making Italian sodas. So it's like the Mm -hmm. combination of the two. And so like we always have whipping cream in our fridge. That and I think um, the little baby pickles. But, but like <laughs> the little tiny uh huh because and like we always have like a fork and we'll just like set it on the counter and all the kids like go ham with a fork and grab it out yeah yeah if we you pickles at my house I was like if you do not like germs do not come and get in our pickle jar because that's like all of us getting the same fork and getting pickles out I'm so sorry so sorry uh all right well I don't have anything particularly weird in my fridge. Um, but I do keep whipped cream on deck because you never know when you need whipped cream. Mm. Pancakes, waffles, ice cream. Mm. Whipped cream is good for everything. Um, but I do love those maraschino cherries that you hate. The ones that you absolutely, most people I've talked to hate those. I have like a whole jar of them and I keep them on me on deck for the for the day that I need a good maraschino cherry. Are you serious? I have a whole jar in my no. Chance hates them, too. I keep them in the back so no one else has to see them. Because I was like, we even had an ice cream, and I was like, would you eat this? Because, like, I... She said, would you eat my cherry? That's what she asked me to do, is to I... eat her cherry. And she gave me the weird look, and I was like, oh, crap. That did not... <laughs> took her a minute. It took that, her a minute. To yeah, it did. Out. That was a little hot minute. Um, But, yeah, I do not... Mm. No, it yeah, it just grosses me out thinking about those things because they're just they're like slimy little like cough drops. That's what it reminds me yeah, of, like the wait. cherry cough drops. That is what it tastes like. Oh, that sounds yeah. I, I know. know we must have two. I don't know. You know, why. I heard there's a thing with taste buds where people have different taste buds and will react to certain things differently. Mm. So you just must have the weird ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'll say. Yeah. I have the weird <laughs> ones. <laughs> well, anyway, we would love to hear any other questions you guys have, stories, comments, all that jazz. Um, you'll find us all of our links in the show notes. Um, but remember, we want to hear from you because this is a conversation and this conversation needs you. And we'll catch you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Grave Diggers podcast. We are your best friends, Jasmine and Kim. 
please subscribe and find us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at gravediggers.j as in Jasmine, K as in Kim. And look for us on Patreon, where we give exclusive content, seasonal gifts, and early access to those that help us provide this content. Till next time, don't be afraid to dig in the mud and and get get a little little dirty. dirty.